And Father, as we come to this point, as we take a look at your word, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just continue to resonate in this place. And God, as I prayed before, God, that lives will be changed. God, that we will just consider what you have for us this morning. And God, that we would just evaluate ourselves and see where we are with you. I pray you say in Christ's name. Amen. Well, you get a double dose of me this morning, and if you don't like me, I'm sorry. You know, you can't, you have to deal with me for a little while yet. You know, I kind of feel sorry for you in a way because sometimes I wish I can get away from myself. Um, But I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Um, You know, it's an honor to be up here and and to stand um, here. It's an honor as a support staffer um, to be trusted with this opportunity. You know, and I've, I've put some thoughts to why Chris asked me to preach, you know, because I know there's other people that are more, better communicators than I'll ever be and, and can present to you a profound thought than I'll ever be able to present. And, um, and I come up with this conclusion, is that he wants you to be glad that he's returning next week. So that's why he asked me to, to stand in front of you this morning. And, um, and so uh, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to share um, this morning. But and we're fixing to dive right in and I want to invite you to, to, with this morning, with a challenge to imagine, to your, use your imagination. But before we uh, dive into this, I just want to just to kind of give you um, a heads up. This message is geared more to the believer, to the person who's put their faith in, in Jesus, who is part of the, the church. And, and if you're here and you're considering Christ and you're evaluating Christianity, we're glad that you're here. And we hope that this message engages the interest all the more and that you further investigate Christ and, and, um, and that he is worth putting your faith and trust in. And, and, and we hope that it brings you back next week as well. But uh, we're going to be here and we're going to, I just want to invite you to imagine. And uh, my wife developed this method, I guess, to um, encourage our kids' good behavior. Uh, she had a, a jar and then she had a big bowl of marbles. That's probably why I lost mine. Um, <laughs> found them. Uh, she had a big bowl of marbles, and then when they res- acted out of good behavior, we affirmed them openly, and we told them to go move one marble to the empty jar. And eventually, it took them a very long time to do this, by the way. <laughs> uh, if anybody who knows my kids, they know what I'm talking about. Um, but they eventually, they got all the marbles to the jar, and when they filled up the jar, we, got, we took them out to maybe we get a toy or, or the Eskimos and, and get some ice cream and and we kind of just reward them for their good behavior. Well, this one particular time, we took our kids to Walmart to get a toy. And uh, I took my little boy, Micah. He was three at the time. And I insisted on him to get some uh, cowboy cap pistols and, and, um, and a cowboy hat. And, and he took to the idea hook, line, and sinker. And so we got, him, we got him all geeked up and everything. And we came home with all this cowboy attire and he put it on and let me tell you it changed who he was I mean he went from little Micah to John Wayne chasing bandits across the wild west and he took his role seriously as you can see he put that little vest by the way it was mine when I was a little boy so I was kind of proud but I mean he, he took to the role the next morning I woke up with two pistols in my side and and he was whispering Get up, partner. 
And then the very next morning, he, uh, I woke up, and he was waking up his mama. I, you know, sometimes we ch- switch um, sides of the bed every now and then. And, and um, so he, he, uh, he, he had his diaper on and his cap pistols and his cowboy hat, and he was waking up his mama. And, and Melissa asked him, and he said, Micah, are you hungry? And he goes, no, but my horses are. And, um, and so <laughs> do you remember when we were able to ima- you know, use our imaginations like that, when our imaginations ran wild and free, and, and we were, we, we can, you know, ride across the west chasing the western sky, or as a cowboy, or as an astronaut, you know, exploring galaxies, and, or, or maybe we can be a major league baseball player, but somewhere along the way, the reality of adulthood kicked in, and then it kind of started driving away our imagination, and it started maybe, you know, just, just, pushing out the dreams that we once had. And I think sometimes we allow circumstances and complacency or even temptations cast a shadow on what God wants for our lives and what he wants to do in our lives. Somehow, somewhere along the way, you know, we accepted Jesus Christ our Lord. We had this, un, you know, this unquitching fire bug and we had passion and we had zeal, but somewhere along the way, we lose that. And complacency creeps in. And so, I just want to invite you to, to, to this morning to imagine. I want to invite you to dream. I want to encourage you to dream what God can do in you and through you. In 1971, John Lennon released a song called Imagine. And uh, the Imagine, the whole song, it was one of the top hundred in the, in, the, in the century. One of the most, I think it was the top hundred most performed in the, in the century, in the 20th century. But also it was in the top 30 um, of songs of all time. And this song talked about this world peace and everybody living as one. And, and you know, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Lennon's imagination had helped from time to time. Uh, but, uh, but he had a pretty good idea, and I think he had a, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with the idea that he had, but I think he had the wrong means. You see, he desired for peace and life change to happen through the means of humanity. But if the Bible is true in what it says about human nature, which I believe it is, is that there's no way that can happen. There's no way that can happen on our own terms or our own means. It can only happen through the power of the message of Jesus Christ, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, and through the means displayed only through the church. And so we're going to discuss those things this morning. We're going to look at one passage that's going to encourage us and invite us to dream. Because I want us as First Baptists to dream. I want us to imagine what God can do in us and through us. So we're going to look at a passage here this morning. It's in Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So this verse... Right here, it encourages us to, to, to imagine because there, there's, there's a Jesus here to him, that's what it's talking about, that is all-powerful, and it encourages us to your imagination. So spiritually, I want to invite you to, to allow our imagination to soar because God is revealing, first of all, his power. God is revealing his power. He even says in Ephesians 3, 7, he says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of what? Through the working of his power. So what is the power? 
What is the power that we're talking about this morning? Well, the power is the message of the gospel. It's the message of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion and the resurrection, that when we put our faith in, in, in that, that we're able to be saved from our eternal, our state, and that is hell. But that is the power of the gospel. That's the power message. There's no other way by no means that we can. Even I don't care how, how uh, enticing John Lennon's message was. There's no other means by way we can be saved but through the gospel message. That is the power, number one. And Paul knew all too well about the power of Christ. He had a firsthand encounter. At one time, he thought he knew what power was. You know, Paul had position before his conversion to go and persecute Christians, but on his way, we see in Acts 9 that he literally had an encounter with Christ and that he fell off his high horse, both literally and figuratively. And yet it changed his life. The gospel message changed his life. We're even reading passages of Scripture now that we get the benefit now from his life change that, that what took place in, in Paul's life. So Paul knew um, the, the, the power of Christ. He understood it. But somewhere along the way, we sometimes, we lose sight of the power that is in the message of the gospel. We lose our imagination. Circumstances drive us to look to other places. It may be uh, temptations um, take our focus on, on the grace of Jesus Christ and we go start looking elsewhere and we lose sight of the power that's in the gospel. And what happens is that we end up settling for an unsettled faith that is powerless. It's called complacency. We end up settling for God not, you know, not expecting him to do a work in our lives and, and through our lives, and we just become settled, and our, and our faith becomes powerless. And since Jesus desires to work in us and through us, he even said it this way in John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I, go, I am going to the Father. This is mind-blowing because when we look at the miracles of Jesus, how in the world can we take part in such great power? I mean, look what he was doing. He was, you know, healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was multiplying food. He was walking on water. He was speaking weather into submission. And when we look at that, we can't think, how in the world are we going to do the same thing but even greater things than, than, than this? Now, I'm okay with, uh, well, let me say this before we get into, it, before you check out on me or wig out on me because I'm talking about miracles in, in the church, I mean, heaven forbid a miracle take place in the, in the Baptist church, I'm okay with Jesus if he wants to multiply my food as long as he multiplies my dessert as well, especially ice cream, Amen. I'm okay with Jesus, you know, giving me the gift of healing. I guarantee when you're sick in the hospital, you'd be calling the church and saying, hey, can you send Justin to the hospital, right? I'm okay with Jesus um, feeding, you know, feeding the 5,000. But here's the deal. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but guess what? He died again. Jesus fed a multitude of people, but guess what? They got hungry again. So I think the miracles that we're to be taking part of and, 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 and asking God to do a work within us and through us is the miracles, the miracle of life change. Now I want you to imagine this. Imagine people breaking the bondage of sin that's been holding them captive for so long. Imagine marriages being restored because of mercy and grace. 
Imagine young people who are boldly taking a stand against the cultural norms that are leading to destruction these days. Imagine First Baptist reaching beyond our sphere of influence and exceeding financial limitations. But last but not least, imagine we see people who are giving their life to Christ for the first time and who are being saved by the power of the message. We have to have the power of the gospel if our imagination is going to soar. The second thing, let me say this before we move on, is that when these things start to happen, people will not understand what's taking place because there's no way we can humanly make, you know, logically explain the work of God. And so the first thing, we have to have the power of the message. The second thing is that we have to have his spirit. That's why I have Linnea sing this song to reiterate this point. Because here's the, here's the deal. The message in itself is, is useless unless the spirit illuminates the message. It works in tandem with one another. We have to have that. Paul reiterate, uh, or, or alludes to this, to this point. He says um, in, in, in 320, he says, Now to him who is able to immeasurably more than all we can ask for or imagine according to the power that has worked within us. That's how he's talking about the role of the Spirit that's working within us. And see, Paul deals with God revealing. Through this chapter, if you read Ephesians 3, he's dealing with God revealing the mystery of the gospel. And the way he's doing that is through the Holy Spirit. And even as Paul was penning this letter in a prison, he was doing under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the Holy Spirit illuminates the message. They work in tandem with one another. There's no way that we can allow our imaginations to soar without the Holy Spirit's role in our life. I want to illustrate this. I got a flashlight right here. I stole it off of Josh's desk this morning. Josh, I got your flashlight. Doesn't work. But like this flashlight, we were created to shine. God created us to, to possess the glory of God and, and to shine for his glory. And the only way this, let me make sure I put this in and right because I'm going to be embarrassed if it doesn't work. The only way this light is going to shine if it's filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the only way you know that you're a Christian is one way, is one good indicator is that you're filled with the Spirit. Romans 8 talks about that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. But I want to take it a step further. The only way we can shine is with the Holy Spirit of God and with the message of the gospel. I want to take it a step further because sometimes I think we possess the Holy Spirit as Christians, but sometimes we're, we're losing a connection. This flashlight has a button or, or some kind of, you know, uh, a button right here that, that has to make the connection with the power and the batteries that makes this light do what it's created to do. And so whatever it is that, that, that dulls our senses to the Holy Spirit, sometimes we lose con uh, connection and we're not able to do what God created us to do. So how do we exercise and stay connected with the Spirit within us? We give the Spirit the opportunity to work in our lives when we read His Word, when we pray and seek God, when we worship corporately with other believers. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I just felt the spirit in this place when Linnea was singing that song. We were welcoming him here, and I think there was the, the more than myself just wanting to, to embrace the, the presence of the spirit in here. 
So when we worship corporately with other believers, you know what? Those are spiritual disciplines. And I know it's easier to thrive out of passion, but sometimes we have to implement those disciplines to, to fuel that, that, that passion. I think it kind of works as a circle. You know, sometimes, you know, we're passionate about things, and then sometimes we lose our passion, and we have to implement discipline so that it will come full circle and so that we can continue to, to have the passion that God desires us to have. You know, every now and then, I get a, on a whim of wanting to be slim and trim. <laughs> the poet and didn't know it. Uh, and so I go to the gym, you know. And um, so uh, I go to the gym, and, and I start working out, and, and I get really passionate about it. You know, I'm in there looking in the mirror, you know, you know, just bowing up and everything, and then I look at the person next to me, and I'm like, okay, I'll stop. Uh, so, and I'm working out, but we know when the pain starts, you know, I start losing my passion for getting slim and trim. Uh, when the, the, the pain starts creeping in, and, and my muscles start to hurt, and the mornings start getting earlier and earlier, and, um, and I lose my passion. And most of the time, well, pretty much all the time, I've quit, okay? Um, anybody ever set a New Year's resolution? Anybody before? Well, I'll just kind of share some of mine. In, in 2008, I told my wife, I said, you know what? My New Year's resolution in 2008 was get in shape 2008. All right, so she bought me a bike. I rode it one time. Um, my, I blew it in 2008, so I figured in 2009 I'll just wine and dine. And, um, and so I felt so bad about 2008, 2009, I said I'd try again in 2010. All right, and so I blew it all three years there, and so I just said, you know what, I'm not really good at this dieting thing and, and, and getting in shape now, so I'll just go to heaven in 2011, and, um, and so she, she, she begged me to stay around. Uh, so anyway, you know, we have to have those, those spiritual disciplines so that it can fuel our passion, and that's how we make the connection with the Holy Spirit. That's how we exercise the Holy Spirit in our lives. Third element that has to be present if we're going to let, allow our imaginations to soar is the, the church. And I'm fixing to get passionate when I talk about this. The third element is the church. If we're going to be able to imagine, we're going to have to, to fall in love with the church. I love this church. I love the church. Why? Because of this. And look in Ephesians 12, I mean, excuse me, Ephesians 3, 11 10 and 11. He said his intent was that now through the church, pay attention to that, through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through the church. The church is the only means that God will ever carry out his redemptive plan. It is the only way that God is using. And, 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 and here's that verse it talks about educating angels. You know, it's not only that the church is used for people to, 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 to share the gospel to other people and the people are coming into a saving knowledge of faith, but, but this verse says that, that God is using the church to educate angels and even demons. Now, if God is educating angels and demons by the church, then that ought to emphasize that the importance of the role of the church. As a college minister um, our, my students hear me emphasizing the importance of the church, and I sound like a broken record. I sound like a broken record. <laughs> but uh, I sound like a broken record to them all the time because I'm always emphasizing the importance of the church and getting plugged in and not floundering and, 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 and finding a place to serve. And, and this is why, is because I believe that if we can catch 
um, students as freshmen, sophomores, or whatever, and we can get them hook, line, and sinker and, and, and allow them to fall in love with the local church that when they graduate, they'll go off and do the same. But, but here's, here's the problem, is that we're seeing a, a discontent, discontentment of, 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 between that generation and, and the local church. We're, you know, we're seeing a, a people who say, hey, you know, I, I, I love Jesus, but you know, I just don't know about this. This church is, is messy. And, and the reality of it is, the church is messy. You know, we're, but here, the church is, 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 is messy and, and it's imperfect, but Christ is in the process of purifying the church. And here's our role as individuals. We are to be a part of that process. We are to be a part of doing our part to make sure that is taking place. And, and whether it is, you know, the, if students become discontent with the church, whether it is because that it displays no power any longer or it's, you know, irrelevant rituals that kind of overshadow the purpose of the church or, or whether it's just Satan attacking the church overall because he knows that's the only means that Christ will carry out his redemptive plan. Imagine this. Imagine First Baptist of Rustin's light shines brighter than ever before. Because the culture is decaying. I mean, you can turn the news on. You don't have to look far to find that out. Political correctness, it seems like it's squelching the gospel. And Satan's doing everything he can to destroy the church because he knows that's the only means. But imagine, what if the light of First Baptist shines brighter than ever before. We have to be a church that brags on the groom. If we're the bride of Christ, as the Bible says we are, we got to be a church that brags on the groom. Because when the church succeeds, the, the name of Jesus is proclaimed. So what do we do? How do we respond to that? Well, we support, we promote, we provide, we devote ourselves to the success of the local church. When we do those things, we brag on the groom. Now, I would be lying to you if I didn't, you know, tell you, if I told you that I didn't really care about what you thought of me or said of me, said about me, and because uh, I do, I really do, but you know what? My son rises and sets on what that lady right there says about me. In the same way, we can be a church that brags and lifts up the name of Jesus. I want to present this challenge to you. We have a pastor who loves this church. He has set a vision for his church. He cares about the spiritual condition of this church. It, the, the vision that he has set for us is called the 2020 vision. If you're not familiar with it, I would just encourage you to familiarize yourself with it. There's some booklets in the office that you could get that talks about some of the goals that, that we set for the 2020 vision. And I want to challenge you. What role as you as an individual are going to play in that vision? What role are you going are, are to take that's going to take place in your life where we can carry out that vision? Because I believe we can. Why? Because there's power, there's a Holy Spirit, and there's a church. So I'm going to ask Linnea and Matt to come up and, and we're going to do something different. I'm going to allow them to sing 
um, the bridge of the song that Linnea sang a while ago. And while Linnea is singing, I just want you to, to evaluate yourselves and to ask your, yourself this question. Have I lost my imagination? Have I lost my passion? Have I lost my zeal for the gospel? Am I being connected to the Holy Spirit? And am I playing a, a, a rightful role in being part of the local church? Imagine what could happen. So I want to ask you to stand. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. We have some ministers here down front. If you want to talk to somebody, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we would ask you to do that more. No greater morning than to do that here, right here this morning. If you want to just come up here and pray and ask God to, 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 to continue to give you clarity on how you can serve here, if you want to just be reconnected to the Holy Spirit, whatever your response is, I just ask you to come as Linnea sings.